Welcome to episode 11 of In Your Element, a gaming podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Adler. Today, I'm joined by one of my good buddies and fellow gaming enthusiast, Josiah Mills. Josiah, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing really good. It's a beautiful day off. The weather is starting to cool down. I got a big cup of coffee and my comfy slippers on. Can't complain. Yeah, that sounds perfect, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy that the weather's getting cooler around here. Oh, me too, man. That's what we live for. Yeah, absolutely. What have you been playing lately? Oh, I've been playing some old classics, man. I've been uh, loving me some Skyrim again on my Switch because oh, now nice. I can play it anywhere, which is fantastic. Yeah. Been uh, hitting up, of course, Xenoblade Chronicles, which we'll get into later. And then mm-hmm. I've been playing some Okami, too. I downloaded that on my Switch, and I've been loving that. Yeah, I saw it's on sale right now, too, for like 15 bucks. What? I just bought it for like 20 <laughs> I know oh, it's son of a gun. <laughs> I, I know you've been you've been pushing me to buy it, and I'm like, oh man, Just I'll wait for a it. sale, and there's a sale here. So, um, yeah, that's a game that I have always seen in the distance and never gotten around to playing, but I've watched you play a little bit of it, oh, and man. it looks really, really good. Beautiful what, art style. Yeah, it's one of those games that hold up because it's all mm-hmm. uh, cell shaded, so it's not like graphics matter, even though they do. And it's a fantastic <laughs> game. It really, it's like a Zelda classic esque type mm-hmm. game. Yeah, sweet man. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I've been playing uh, unashamedly Call of Duty uh, Black Ops Four. Come on now. And uh, this is the first one I've played in many, many years. I think the last one I actually played was Ghosts back in like 2013. So it's been a hey, while. Me too. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I, I played the the franchise like not hardcore, but I played it pretty much annually before that, and. Uh, you know, it, it was fun with friends, but it got to the point where just like everyone else, it got so it, like over the top, like wall running jet packs. And I'm like, what are we even playing mm. anymore? This is not the same game, you know? Totally. Uh, and I just got burnt out on it. So I took a pretty long hiatus and I'm back. And I have to say, man, it is very fun. Uh, the new blackout mode, their new battle royale is the cream of the crop. Oh, um, it's a great it's a great like uh deviation from the Fortnite feel of like the the building especially not having to build is is great because i'm not one of those adept builders that can just you know throw up a a a hotel in a matter of seconds same here hotel (laughs) yeah so i agree yeah it's taking like what PUBG did but building off of it and perfecting it right yeah that's what the much of the critical reception is is like hey did you like PUBG? cool well yeah. this feels like a less buggy better more refined PUBG. so yeah it feels it feels good and i've been playing that with buddies and it's uh, a lot of fun and then Sweet. the multiplayer too i've i've been playing mostly multiplayer like just the standard call of duty like get in there and do the different things team no death match and all. yeah i've been playing mostly that's multiplayer sweet. what uh, i didn't i thought they were just coming out with the blackout mode i didn't even know no. that was an option no, That's like, cool. so what's cool about this one, and it got a lot of flack in the beginning because they don't have a campaign. So, like, they, they took the campaign out and they focused it solely on three modes. So, they have the multiplayer, just the traditional Call of Duty, you know, 6v6 team deathmatch or whatever, the different the different modes. They got tons of different multiplayer modes. Mm-hmm. They got uh, zombies mode, which I, one of the modes I never really focused too much on in the past. Yeah, uh, but I played it the other night and man, it could be a full $60 game on its own. I feel 
Like, Dude, is that's that... what they said. Like, yeah. I was looking at the ratings, and the Blackout mm-hmm. Mode got like a 9.0. I saw, yeah, I saw that. That one got like an 8.0, which is like right under it, which means, yeah, like, that's awesome. I got to give and it a I, whirl. Yeah, yeah. I saw IGN split the reviews this year, and they actually rated multiplayer the lowest, which is what yeah. I've been playing the most. But to each <laughs> their own. Every everybody sees fun in different ways, but um, Absolutely. but yeah been playing a lot of that and uh i i initially bought the game thinking oh yeah i'll just probably pick it up for blackout play that with the with the friends and um you know it's just for another thing to do until red dead comes around but i could see myself playing this yeah. for a while to come you know yeah, um man. and they just announced too uh i was reading this morning there's going to be a double xp weekend coming up already which is cool Ooh, so for those of you on. that do have the game uh incentive to jump in and kind of get yourself ahead of the crowd before the holidays the big rush of people come Get your XP. <laughs> Get your XP. Cool. Well, uh, before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to let you know where you can find In Your Element online. Um, website is inyourelementpodcast.com. Instagram is at In Your Element Podcast. Twitter is at IYE Podcast. And you can visit patreon.com slash in your element and support at any level to receive bonus episodes early, gain exclusive access to the In Your Element Discord server, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts, and more. I'd also like to thank Chris this week for becoming a patron at the $5 level. Thank you so much, man. Your support helps tremendously and allows me to work on more Patreon-specific content. Um, I do have a few review casts that I'm planning on doing in the near future that will be Patreon-exclusive to start. So if you're interested in early access to my newest content, consider donating at the $1 level or above. Thank you. And if you have any questions for the show, email me at hello at inyourelementpodcast.com. I will answer your questions on the next episode of In Your Element. Uh, let's go ahead and jump straight into the news. Um, I'd say the biggest news story of the this rather slow gaming news week is about the developer crunch going on in the gaming industry at the moment. Ooh. The yeah, uh, the comment came earlier this week when an executive at Rockstar Games was touting some of the interesting information about the hotly anticipated Red Dead Redemption Two uh, coming out later this month. Of course, amongst those things was the fact that many of the developers there at Rockstar. Um, were working 100-hour work weeks during crunch periods. And this led to a storm on the internet of people taking sides one way or the other. I don't want to take too much time on the subject, as it's been discussed at length in just about every possible outlet for gaming news or information. But, Josiah, I'd like to get your quick take on the subject. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting. Like At first, I, I like had conflicting feelings about it. Um, like, man, if I had to work 100 hour work week i'd be pissed and all that sure. stuff yeah but, um, like looking more into it it's like you know that that quote was a little misleading because it was from one of the like executives and mm-hmm. he was talking more about him and his team mm-hmm. just because they're passionate about it mm-hmm. and i mean like if i was passionate about something I'm like yeah I, i'd work 100 hours for that you know obviously right. and then and then there's quotes from some of the workers like some of the mm-hmm. grinders that are just doing some of the basic background you know coloring and stuff like that and they're like no we've never been asked to or forced to do that so i'm I'm like i was conflicted and i mean obviously if i was forced to do that and said like hey you you have to work 100 hours i'm pretty sure that's illegal in the state of california oh it absolutely (laughs) well and that's and that's kind of the point that a lot of the developers were they, they basically lifted the ban recently up on twitter for um, not being able to talk about, you know, their company pr- uh, publicly, which isn't exclusive to them. That happens at a lot of, you know, most major companies don't allow their employees to go and talk about the company on social media just for, uh, I'm sure, just uh, legal reasons. But they basically lifted that earlier this week to allow the developers to come out and kind of voice their own opinion. 
And it's it's surprising how many of them were like, yeah, I, I like I wanted to do this. And, exactly. you know, this is something that I'm interested in doing. Um, and then there's others that were saying that they they felt like they have a workload that they have to accomplish in a uh, certain amount of time. And mm. they're just simply don't have enough time to get all of that work done. So they almost exactly. feel like they are forced without being asked to do that. Um, which yes, if they were told they have to work that, that's absolutely illegal uh, here in California. Um, but they, you know, if they make the decision to, to stay overtime, and these are salaried individuals, so they're not getting paid additional for that time, which is uh, another part of this discussion. Um, yeah. Then yeah, that that's really frustrating, and and I would be upset if I was, you know, forced to do that without you know necessarily being asked to. So. But this isn't the only industry that's facing crunch. I think crunch is like a, a an epidemic that is worldwide in so many positions uh, in different companies everywhere. So I think it's just it's one of those things that's being brought to light now just because of the probably the hype around the game. There's a lot of discussion already happening there. And this is something that uh, just, you know, spiraled out from that. I don't think it's something that should be swept under the rug. Absolutely. But yeah. I think um I think it's definitely there's there's two sides to it for sure. And exactly. I would I would fall on the side of, um, you know, people should be able to make their own decision on how mm. many hours past their expected schedule they should work. But mm. they should definitely be compensated for that time. I Absolutely. Don't think, I mean, even if they are salaried I, and it gets into this gray area where it's hard to say if that time's productive time or not, especially if they're staying past, you know, when everybody else is working there. How do you? How do you confirm what type of work is being done? I understand mm. there's a lot of like gray area there, but I think at the very least, if people are working well past or double what they're supposed to be working, there should definitely be some level of compensation for that. Absolutely. I agree. You know, it's it, as long as they're being paid, it's a free country. If I want to mm-hmm. work, you know, 60 hours overtime, that should be up to me. And if I'm mm-hmm. allowed to do that, right. As long as they're not telling me you have to. Sure. Um, and it's interesting. Um, so one of my wife's, old co-workers um, was actually a um, an artist for a big game developing company, a different one, different than mm-hmm. Rockstar. And so I think mm-hmm. Rockstar sounds like they're a little bit more, you know, they, they're good. They, they, they sound mm-hmm. like they're kind of a little bit more lenient there. And so that's nice. But mm-hmm. the company he was working for, I believe they worked on one of the older Spider-Man games. Oh, okay. And he said, now again, I'm not speaking for Rockstar, but for this company he was working for, and I'm not even sure which one that was, he mm-hmm. said they were brutal. They like they said he wasn't required to because by law you're not required to, but they essentially blackmailed him into staying over time and they worked him to the bone and wow. the turnover rate was ridiculous. Like just oh, yeah. people like getting sick because of working so much and like it's crazy. Like that mm-hmm. industry, that's a it's a crazy industry to work in. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's cool because it sounds like Rockstar is getting some flack for this, but it sounds like they're kind of like, hey, man, that these people want to do this and we're not requiring them to. Yeah. Um, and they, they've, yeah. they've been making a lot of changes over the years, too, just to be more friendly to their their employees. So it's kind of unfortunate that they're getting a lot of this like negative criticism for it um, in, in I, them being one of the better companies, I would say, to work for. You know, a lot of the larger publishing companies and developing companies um, you know, they they obviously have like a bigger team of people, uh, like a legitimate HR department. And so they have yeah. like the, all, all the makings of, a, well, they're a big company. So um, I think that they they're going to abide by those laws a lot more strictly than maybe a smaller publisher or like exactly. any developer may. 
because they have a smaller team and there's more work to be done by a smaller amount of people. Mm -hmm. Um, But an interesting point that I was reading earlier this week about this whole situation, because, you know, you read the you read the article title and, oh, Rockstar employees are working 100 hours. And immediately, (laughs) like your reaction is like, oh, damn, they should not work 100 hour weeks like that's crazy. Um, Boycott dead, red dead, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, no, never. (laughs) Well, that's, that's the thing. So let's say that uh, all of the companies, not in just the gaming industry, but across, you know, everything, the financial, the medical industries, everything where there is clearly going to be people working way over time and probably not getting compensated for that either. Uh, But specific to games, they've got a team of specialized individuals, right? There's people that they have to hire that do very specific roles now in these games. And you can't just hire more of those type of people a lot of times um, because they're so specialized in their roles. So, um, you know, a lot of people would say, well, if they're doing too much work, hire more people, spread that work around. But it's Mm -hmm. hard to do that if they're such specialized roles. So that's one part of this. And let's say that they, you know, let's say they're working double the time that they should be. So a typical work week's 40 hours. Let's say they're working 80 hours. That means they're doing twice as much work as they should be doing in a week, um, which effectively cuts their development cycle in half, right? Mm -hmm. And we're already seeing these AAA companies like Rockstar that take five, six, seven years to put out a game. And we Mm -hmm. are as a, a, a selfish gaming community, like, hey, when's your game coming? I mean, look at exactly. uh, look at uh, Cyberpunk 2077. That game has totally. been uh, announced so long ago and people are like clamoring for it. And hey, where's your game at? And we're like, you know, as a community, people get angry and they're, they expect it. And people are, uh, you know, sending threats to developers if they don't exactly. put their games out. And I, it's it's gotten to the extreme. But if you think about, it sucks that these people are working so much, but that development cycle could be doubled if they're working the appropriate amount too. So there's like this, this like very delicate line of, of what's ethical and what's right. And then how the community would react and how exactly. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a, an ironic thing. We want these games to come out quickly, but we also want these people to be treated fairly (laughs) as well. So it's, it's like, you know, well, I think a good example of that is like, um, if you remember, oh, what one? It was uh, one of the Mega Man games, and everyone mm-hmm. was like, "When's the next Mega Man game gonna come out?" What was it? Was that Mega Man Eleven? The the recent one that just came out. I Probably think it I know was. It hasn't been a while since one of those came out prior to this. It was one of them, and everyone's like, "Come on, bring the game out!" And they put it out, and it was one of the worst ever. And they're like, "What the heck?" Like, I don't think it was that one. I think it was the one Ooh, before. Mighty was, Number Nine, the, that the one, one that was the Kickstarter one. Yeah, that's yes. the one. Yes. Um, and everyone's like, come on, bring that game out. And it was it bombed because they mm-hmm. pushed it out. They just try to get it out there, you know? Yeah. I, then you look at different companies like Nintendo. They just keep getting flack and flack and flack for taking forever. Or like mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, we've been waiting for that forever, <laughs> forever. Yes. yes. But they're doing it right. And they're kind of like saying, hey, you guys are going to be happy either way. Just be patient and we'll give you the best we've got, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, if you if you do put additional pressure on people to to put the game out, so Kingdom Hearts has been in development for what like eight years, oh, ten years. Dude, it's been forever. it's been a long time. I feel like right. Oh, so forever. Let's say that they. I don't know what the what the situation is over at Square Enix in terms of their their staff and how much they work. But being a Japanese company, I I imagine they probably 
treat the employees a bit better just because that's their culture. They're, they're, they abide a lot, a lot more by the rules other, uh, unlike us here in the United States that (laughs) (laughs) just kind of push the boundaries everywhere. But, uh, you know, let's say they did force their employees, not force, but, uh, expect those employees to work overtime. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe the game does come out sooner, but it's full of bugs or it's not, it's not, optimal in terms of the artwork or the story or things feel rushed because mm-hmm. when you push people past their their mental capacity and what they can work in a week the work mm-hmm. starts to get sloppy you get these diminishing returns on their work right you don't you don't exactly. get a full like if somebody's working uh seven 12 hour days in a row uh you're not going to get peak productivity from that person i mean mm-hmm. unless you're a robot you're not going to be able to to produce quality work after a certain period so you know uh, we could probably go on for a while with this and i didn't want to spend too much time on it but (laughs) i think it's it's safe to say that that people can choose to do what they want to do uh within boundaries of what the company is going to allow Mm -hmm. Uh, but i i I think they need to be fairly compensated for that time especially if there's a culture in that company of like expecting people to go beyond their work week yeah and just so you know and we'll move on yeah kingdom hearts 2 came out 2005 that's 13 years ago and i'm still a little salty (laughs) i know come on well it's just around the corner yeah or so we think i hope (laughs) at this point if it gets delayed i i don't even care because it's been such a long wait so we're like oh there we go again it's the same old thing <laughs> we're yeah we're seeing so many trailers like from that game uh that it's i feel like it's inevitable they have so much yeah. stuff that they keep pushing for it that i, I mean the release date set early next year um yeah. i think i think they'll hit it though come on yeah come on square enix we want that <laughs> And the second piece of news that broke earlier this week that I found interesting is the rumor that Blizzard would be bringing crossplay to to Diablo 3. With the recent move on Sony's end to finally allow crossplay and cross-progression starting with Fortnite, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility to have crossplay in Diablo, especially with the Switch release happening in a few weeks. It would actually make a lot of sense. The topic was originally discussed during an interview recently within... uh, with a Business Insider interview when a Blizzard rep said that Diablo 3 cross-platform play was, quote, a question of when, not if, end quote. Everyone lost their collective minds after hearing this. Many outlets outright confirming cross-play was coming to the game. But unfortunately, that rumor was put to rest earlier this week when a different Blizzard rep told the website comicbook.com. The representative said, while we love the idea of bringing our players together across platforms, we do not have any plans to implement cross-platform gameplay for Diablo at this time. This is, I know. This <laughs> is a bummer, as I feel, uh, especially with BlizzCon 2018 right around the corner. And rumblings of a new Diablo game being announced, this would tie in really nicely with everything, but it seems we'll have to wait until a later date. Uh, first of all, Josiah, have you ever played any of the Diablo games? So here's the thing. No. <laughs> um, I am a huge, <laughs> huge fan of um those kind of top down rpg like slasher rpgs i'm huge so one of my buddies long time ago Mm -hmm. i used to love playing a game maybe some people know of it but Baldur's gate dark alliance Mm -hmm. so good it's a dungeon and dragons based um rpg type action 
game. Yeah. And um, I've been trying like recently been like, I need to play this game again, I, but there, there's mm-hmm. no backwards compatibility. So I've been trying to find a game like that. And one of my buddies is like, have you played Diablo? I'm yeah. Like, no. <laughs> and so that, as soon as it comes out for the switch and I'm going to buy it for the switch because I like being able to play anywhere. Oh yeah. That's when I'm going to pick it up right away. Cause I'm, yes. and everyone's like, you got to play it. You got to play it. So Man, that's, I, I am, yeah. I'm excited and I will pick it up just to play with you because I, I, I played it on PC um, years ago with a buddy and I only got through like the first couple acts, which was um, probably a little over half the game, maybe three quarters of the game. Uh, and I, so I didn't finish it, but it was loads of fun. And it's one of the games where it's not really designed to play through the story once and just be done because mm-hmm. there's so many different characters you can play through and they all have such different play styles. They really want you to go through and play, you know, over and over. And it's a very replayable game. So that's exciting, man. Uh, what are your Thank thoughts you. on cross play just in general? Absolutely. So it's one of those things where, you know, back in the day when like Sony had free online play, I, I know I think that was a big deal. Um, and, 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 you know, it's kind of one of the reasons to play on their console and so on and so forth. Now that we're all paying, now we're all like, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm not going to buy this console so I can, you know, play just online. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's more of yeah. like you're buying it for the games. You're buying it for the specs. You know, it's not really a reason to buy the system per se anymore. It's like, why not just open the borders? You know, why not just, you know, allow everyone to play with each other? It'd be so much better because even if that happened, we're not like, man, I'm going to get the PS4 because I like playing with, you know, you can do whatever you want. You're going to buy the PS4 for the games and Mm -hmm. for the specs. Same with the Xbox, same for PC. It's not really about online play. So I'm Mm -hmm. kind of like why it's obvious. It'll make everyone happy. They're not buying so they can play online. They're buying for other reasons, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my thought process. I mean, plus I'm on an Xbox and all my buddies are on the PlayStation. So it'd be cool to <laughs> yeah. team up with you guys like on Fortnite now, that's, which is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's just it's so surreal. Like the moment that 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 crossplay went live, I, I think we had a group that was playing on Fortnite and I was on my Switch. Someone else was on PS4. Someone else was on Xbox. Yes. Uh, and it was just wild. Like it, it seems like so obvious that that should be the case. But it's mm-hmm. just I can't believe we everybody's been so uh, like defensive about it uh, from a company standpoint for so long that mm-hmm. it just never felt like it was going to be a reality. So it's kind of magical when it when it does come together. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the next generation, I don't think this is even going to be a discussion. I think yeah. everything's going to be engineered to be crossplay from the get-go and i think that we're gonna look back at this dark time and <laughs> like laugh at some point just like the wow man we, the dark ages of gaming when <laughs> when i had to have a certain console to play with another friend you know i think it's going to be very ubiquitous the only thing that's going to set the different consoles quote apart because i think that eventually they're all just going to be streaming boxes yeah. um starting with next gen i think we're going to see at least Microsoft with some sort of a streaming only platform. Mm. Um, I, I, it's really just going to come down to exclusive titles. And that's why you, you see Microsoft swallowing up all these studios so they can start to build their bench again for all of these first party titles and really compete with Sony, who's mm. been killing Microsoft this generation with their first party titles. Trust I mean, me, 
I know <laughs> firsthand and I'm salty about that too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, but you know, Microsoft's been making such good moves for like consumer friendly moves over the past couple of years with game pass and mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of the things that they're doing that are very like uh, player focused. Whereas Sony is, you know, they're putting out fantastic games, but they're so abrasive with making yeah. changes. So yeah, it's, interesting. it's interesting, but next gen, I think we're going to see just cross play across the board and it's not going to be a discussion of, Hey, is this game going to get cross play? I think it's just going to be out of the box cross play. Yeah. Well, on a similar topic to Diablo, there was yet another Nintendo Switch bundle announced recently, which makes four coming out this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one being of the Diablo 3 variety. It includes a digital copy of Diablo 3 Eternal Collection for Switch, along with a Diablo-themed carrying case and a custom Switch dock featuring Diablo artwork etched into it. This bundle will be exclusive to GameStop here in the United States, and it will retail for $359.99. So essentially you're getting a free case and a cool looking dock as the game is already going to retail for $60. And this of course will be launching alongside Diablo three eternal collection on switch, which launches on November 2nd Uh, some really good games coming out this year uh, to round out the already jam packed beginning of this year. So awesome. That about does it for the news this week. Uh, Rather light news week, as I said, so let's dive right into our feature discussion for the episode. All right, Bring so Josiah, yep. Uh, I chose you to come on this week because you share a similar love for a certain genre of games that is somewhat niche here in the West, and that, mm-hmm. of course, is the JRPG genre. So mm. for those of you that are not familiar with what JRPG stands for, it is a Japanese-style role-playing game. Um, the most popular or recognizable is likely the Final Fantasy series, uh, which made its debut back on the Famicom in Japan in 1987 and made its way over to the West on the NES in 1988. Some other notable series are the Dragon Quest series and the Megami Tensei games. So mm-hmm. some common traits of a typical JRPG tend to be heavily story focused, typically with a predetermined protagonist that has their own backstory. And there's often a cast of characters that may accompany you through the story. Sometimes you can play as the characters, sometimes you can't. There's little or no player choice in the story, meaning it's generally a predetermined tale of good versus evil, and you're just along for the ride. Uh, They're often turn-based battle systems instead of more fluid open combat, Um, but there's many games that have iterated on this recently. And JRPG does not mean it was necessarily developed in japan it's just the style of the game so there's many jrpgs that are developed over here in the west and a lot of western style rpgs developed in the east Um, and western rpg uh, are more focused on the actual character interactions and the world itself and they generally feature a somewhat generic character that the player is controlling oftentimes you can customize the character's appearance and name and take on that persona Some typical Western RPGs would include the Elder Scrolls series, so Skyrim um, and all the ones before that, the Fallout series, The Witcher 3, Grand Theft Auto 5, and of course the upcoming Red Dead Redemption 2, just to name a few. Oftentimes you hear the term open world. These are general characteristics of a Western RPG, but some more contemporary JRPGs have also incorporated open world exploration. Uh, These games differ tremendously in the combat style, And while they also have increasingly better and more focused stories, the true focus is more on the character interaction and the world itself. Um, Would you say that about sums it up, Josiah? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think it's, it is very niche. It, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's, it's interesting because I was looking up a bunch of different RPGs and there's a vast majority of different play styles, different oh, kinds. Yeah. I mean, technically, like if you think about it, even a game like Dark Souls would be considered a JRPG. It's made in Japan. It's all mm-hmm. RPG based, but yeah. it's so different than from like a game like um, Tales of Berseria or or Final Fantasy or something to those sure. sorts. Where yeah. Those are more turn based. I think mm-hmm. when most people think of JRPG, it is more turn based, like the f- traditional Final Fantasy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, really, when you break it down, even a game like Zelda could really be considered a JRPG. But I think when we're talking about JRPG, we are talking about more the turn-based style, the more heavily story-driven mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important because when, like, most JRPGs are, I mean, it's kind of like the Telltale games. They, mm-hmm. they really are story-driven. I mean, the, the there is some strategy based in there, but it's mostly story-driven. That's why you play it. And it's a lot of repetitive gameplay, but you're right. there to hear the story and kind of what's going on so yeah yeah that's yeah. good and and obviously these are all opinion for what we're, what we're describing Absolutely. Um, there's, there's no like hard and fast definition for what a jrpg really is but these are just some of the characteristics that we both researched and compiled and feel kind of do a good job explaining the genre to folks that may not have experienced them so mm-hmm. with that josiah i want to chat with you about some of our favorite jrpgs of this current generation so uh, why don't you go first Yes, um, one of my absolute favorites, and you and me have been grinding on this, and it's been just it. I will say it started off slow, and I'm like, "What is this?" But it yeah. totally paid off in the end. But mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles Two, yes, phenomenal. And I think it's in this one's definitely more niche because it is only on the Switch, mm-hmm. um, so people on Xbox or PlayStation won't have a chance to play this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is phenomenal, really good game that, you know, again, takes a little while to get started. But I think you said around the third or fourth chapter. Yeah, this gets I, ridiculous. I, I, I feel like, yeah, because it, it's split up into, I want to say, like 10 chapters, if I recall. Yeah. And chapter four is really where I was like, oh, my gosh, because I think you you got this game first. And then yeah. there is somebody else that picked it up as well. Nate and then Moonshine. that's right. And then I was the third one to pick it up. And you guys had already started. You guys were already playing. I had never mm. played a Xenoblade Chronicles game before. So this is my first experience jumping into it. So I picked it up. I had a, a, no idea what I was doing. I'm familiar with JRPG games. So I, I like could get through the obtuseness of the actual game. Um, like systems and menus and all that stuff that wasn't mm-hmm. an issue but the story itself was a little light in the beginning and there's so much it's very tutorial heavy mm-hmm. in the beginning totally. uh, and and if you read any reviews you'll see that people say the tutorial lasts for about the first 20 hours and I, oh, it's yeah. not it's not truly like it's guiding you through that first 20 hours but you're still seeing stuff pop up that's like hey this is how this system works Exactly. I, I, I just got another tutorial and I'm yeah. like, I'm a good, I'm a slow player. So I'm like yeah. a good 30 hours, 35 hours in. Like, yeah. I'm a good way in. And yeah. I just got another tutorial. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think the last, I think the last tutorial box that popped up for me was like around the 50 hour mark, which I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> why, why are you still introducing new stuff? Like you probably lost a lot it's of people crazy, before this. Right. But- That's what I'm saying. But at the same time, every mechanic that they've added. So it's mm-hmm. taking the traditional 
JRPG format. If it's, even that, they've completely revolutionized that. It's completely yeah. different. It's not yeah. just the turn base. And it's not necessarily the autoplay either, where, right. you know, like if you think of Fire Emblem, where you go in and it just automatically does the fight scene for you. Right. Um, you literally hit a button and you automatically start fighting. But there's so many little mechanics you're looking at so much. It's almost like a, um, uh, oh, what what do you call? Why am I blanking? That where there's a button that pops up and you got to hit it. Like a, oh, geez. <laughs> you're blanking too. Yeah. Um, a it, quick time event. Quick time event, exactly. Yes, kind yes. of like a mixture of that and turn base and automatic, but there's so much that plays into it that they've yeah. really built. Yes. This is like a whole new experience, which is, I think, the reason we're talking about this because it's not just your average JRPG. Yeah. And I, I think when I first picked up the game, uh, of course, I had seen the Nintendo Directs that they had about it. And this is like a Nintendo. Um, not developed by but they like it's like a second party game so they kind of helped with the development of this so they featured it heavily in their nintendo directs and i kept looking at it thinking man this game looks so confusing i have no idea what the game's about they keep showing this battle system which looks so so intricate and confusing that i was like turned off completely i'm like man this might be one of the first nintendo games that i don't jump into just based on nintendo's name being on it you know yeah um so i I but in the back of my head, I had a feeling that I would play it at some point. So it's I'm glad I did because it's yeah. it's been one of the best experiences on Switch and one of my favorite games of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's unfortunate because it came out at the very end of last year. So a, a lot of people missed it for their game of the year discussions last year. Yeah. Um. But the I mean, it's it's not going to be very easy to describe the combat system, but they basically keep layering things on mm-hmm. to it. Uh, and and I, I told you at one point that I feel like the combat system almost turns into like a rhythm game. Exactly. Um, because you, you you kind of get in this groove of where when to time these button presses to keep extending a specific combo out, which mm. enables other things. Uh, but once you once you nail the combat system in this game, it's one of the most satisfying things I've totally. ever experienced in a game. Just <laughs> I, well, it's, because you're it's right, it's, it's that rhythm based feel. And and again, it technically is like an auto fight. You hit the button, you go into the fight and he just starts swinging his sword. So at first yeah. I'm like, this is it. This is boring. But again, it's that idea of like you have different um, combos. You have different um, powered up attacks that you mm-hmm. have to hit at the right moment. And then you layer them. And again, it's this whole feeling of like, OK, you're kind of doing it all while in rhythm at a certain time. If you mess that rhythm up that could greatly affect the outcome of the battle. Um, it's phenomenal. Uh, it really, it feels it, exactly like you said. It's, it's very um, rewarding at the end. You're like, yes. And it feels good. Yeah. And each of the players that you encounter that join your party, uh, including your main character, they all have with them a blade, right? Mm-hmm. So the blade is basically like a, a character persona type thing that, follows them that it, that is physically there in the world but it gives them um sp- specific elemental powers or different attack types uh mm. and there's a um a way that you can collect these different types of blades through opening up these little crystals and it kind mm. of feels like pokemon in that sense because exactly. you're collecting yeah you're collecting a lot of these different blades that you can like swap out in battle they mm-hmm. give your character these different 
uh, abilities or different pieces to a combo you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And it, it lends for this really unique style of gameplay that uh, each of the blades comes with a different type of attack uh, or type of weapon that they use rather. Mm-hmm. So some of them are sword based. Um, one of them throws like a like a ball thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's like lances, well, there's, of course. And, yeah, there's yeah. like the attack. There's the tank. And mm-hmm. then there's the there's like another class of the healer. Blade. Yeah, exactly. And then they each have their own element. So there's different yeah. elemental things that come into play when you're fighting different enemies, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, just the blades in themselves. There's so much options for your. Yeah. Battle. Oh, my and gosh. Once yeah. you're in there, there's so many more options for the battle. <laughs> it just, yeah. It's just layer upon layer of different options. Yes, um, it's a it's a layer cake. Yeah, ex- dude, a layer cake. A it's parfait. a layer cake game, a parfait. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I overall, I think Xenoblade Chronicles had a beautiful world. There's so much to explore. Ooh. All of the enemies that you fight in the game are in real time. So they you can see them walking around in the world. Mm. So you can choose to fight or choose not to fight. Uh, and I know the one of the first opening areas they drop you in and you're like level five. Uh, and you're walking around and there's like level 80, level 90 enemies roaming these huge monsters. And, and they run right up to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so prepare to be frustrated in the beginning, but just know you don't have to fight and you're not supposed to fight those enemies. I know mm-hmm. um, in that Great Plains area, you were you were fighting a lot of the enemies <laughs> for a while. And I was like, dude, you don't have to. You're like, but I want to. Well, I'm, like, I'm a completionist. Like, I, I see him. I got to beat him. I can't move on. And so I'll just keep trying until I die. Like, it's, <laughs> and by die, I mean literally in this world, not in the game. <laughs> oh, man. Just unnecessary stress. Yeah. Um, but the DLC just came out for this. So it's standalone DLC. It's a prequel, right? To the, the original, or sorry, yes. prequel to Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, it's called Torna, the Golden Country. Um, I believe it's $29.99 and you can buy that uh, physical or digital and play that before or after the game. I've heard if you play it after the game, it's actually a bit more satisfying because you already know the characters that are in the prequel. Uh, It fleshes those characters out quite a bit in the main game. So when you go back, you've got a bit more context for it. But if you want to start with that one as well, you're welcome to do that because it takes place before the uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I did mention this is my first Xenoblade Chronicles game that I've ever played. Have you played any of the other ones in the past? Believe it or not, um, I've only... I have not. But okay. I have played it, but I've never beaten it. I've never owned the game. But I got to play it on a friend's um, uh, Wii. And okay. We were playing on the Nintendo Wii. And yeah. The original one with like Shulk and all that. Yeah. Yeah, um, amazing. Again, I got a glimpse of it and got a slight feel for the me- for the mechanics. It was slightly different, but just as um, just as much of a game changer. Yeah, on the Wii. That's right. I forgot that Shulk was in the first one, so I've never yes. played any of the other ones either. And of course, when um, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U and 3DS came out, they added Shulk in there, and everybody wanted to play as Shulk at first because it just <laughs> looked so cool and. He had these different weapons that he could switch through hot swapping between uh, the battles, which is very indicative of how the battle system is in the actual game. It's very true to that. Um, but yeah, so Xenoblade Chronicles 1 originally on the Wii, that was back in 2010. They did re-release it on the 3DS in 2015. Um, it is one of the new 3DS titles, so you do have to have one of the new 3DS 
or new 3DS XLs to be able to play that game because it is a bit more um, graphic intensive because it's a, an open world game. Um, but that is available on 3DS if you do want to jump back into the original one. Um, if any of you out there still have a Wii U, they did uh, release another game that's not related. They're all not related to each other, from my understanding. They're all separate um, entries into the franchise. But Xenoblade Chronicles X was on Wii U in 2015. Mm-hmm. And I so, just want to mention, because I know you briefly mentioned it, but my mm-hmm. gosh, it's one of the most beautiful games on the Switch. It is. It it's is gorgeous. gorgeous. The yeah. art, the, the, and also like when you're going talking about the blades, how they mm-hmm. have a beautifully illustrated like player card for each oh, yeah. one of those blades. I'm like, man, this is gorgeous art. You know, beautiful game, visually oh, very yeah. appealing on the Switch. Oh yeah, I highly recommend. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend. Uh, so I personally like to nominate Octopath Traveler on Nintendo Switch yeah, as yeah. one of my favorites. Um, a game I put well over 80 hours into and truly enjoyed every single moment of. Um, of course, I did do an entire episode on Octopath Traveler for those interested in a more in-depth conversation on the game. But long story short, I really enjoyed the unique combat system. It had an eight-character story that you could play through. Um, each of them had their own four-chapter story, and you could pick and choose the order that you want to play them in. You can play all of them. You can play just one character story if you really want a, uh, like a hard version of the game. Um, so it's very, very unique in that sense. And obviously, another gorgeous art style. It's a blend between old school 2D pixel art mixed with 3D aspects um, with some real time lighting. It makes for a truly jaw dropping aesthetic. Oh, absolutely. Man, Switch is killing it on some of these games. I mean, yeah, for being a you know lower quality of visuals, mm-hmm. Octopath Traveler, again, breathtaking when you're watching it. Yeah, I, I think that the I mean, that's another game that's on switch exclusively so it's developed for the system they know the limitations and i think they're exploring these different art styles that really shine on the switch they don't have to be Mm. you know competing on the same level as uh, a game that you'd find on playstation 4 or xbox one they can play in this boundary of the system that it's built for which is really beneficial so um you know that's why when you get games ported to switch they are very choosy in what they port over just because of those the graphical limitations but it's it's not a it's not a not powerful system it it, it, no. it is it does have an incredible amount of power for the size absolutely um i mean you're if you have a 3ds and you go to a switch there's like a night and day difference there with absolutely. the type i mean look at breath of the wild the fact that that game can run in full on the switch is a testament to how powerful the system really is so absolutely i think we're going to see more games really explore their art styles and really um push the limits of this system yeah uh, what what about another jrpg from you that you've enjoyed this generation absolutely so again we've talked about it i'm on the xbox one so i'm a little bit more limited i wish i had a ps4 because as much as i love jrpgs Xbox is very limited, but mm-hmm. one that I've been really enjoying. Um, probably not the best in the series, but a great play is mm-hmm. freaking Final Fantasy 15. How can you yeah. not talk about JRPGs with at least talking about Final Fantasy? That's true. Um, really awesome game. It's one of the OK. So here's again. I'm just the salty dog today. I keep saying how salty <laughs> I am, but so one of the reasons that Kingdom Hearts 3 got delayed is because of this game. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but 
it was worth it. I feel like I'm like, it, cause I love final fantasy. They really put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. Again, final fantasy is known for being ahead of its time when it comes to visuals. And oh, they yeah. achieved that with this one. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful game. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, they're going with the mechanics of the, you know, it, not so much turn based, but they're like, it, it's a um, auto fight system where you go into yeah. the fight, he starts swinging. Uh, there are some different mechanics that you can do. You know, you can call into partners and stuff um, mm-hmm. it, it, to build on to combos. Not quite as uh, accomplished, not quite as rewarding as the Xenoblade Chronicles auto fight system, but still a really good feel to the game. Yeah. And, yeah. Really. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm trying to remember back because I, I played it now two years ago more than whenever it came out I, I is when i played through it so it's been a while since i've been um in that world and in that combat system but i mm. am remembering some of the stuff i remember you can kind of like jump up onto different ledges and and stuff too that yeah and pass the torch around to the different players basically to attack um mm. i i was uh underwhelmed with the battle system personally yeah. Um, just I, I've got such high expectations for the final Final Fantasy franchise, yeah. Because I grew up with uh, the turn-based game, so I'm familiar Absolutely. with that, and that's what really drew me into RPGs in general and JRPGs. Mm-hmm. And uh, it they keep iterating on that system over mm-hmm. time, and it's it's evolving, and you can tell they've taken a lot of elements from Kingdom Hearts with this one. Yes, it feels the, very similar. Yeah. But not 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 as good. Like Kingdom Hearts feels so much more rewarding still, and that's I, yeah. you know a fifteen year old battle system, and yeah. it's like they're they've incorporated a lot of different things in here. So the story with Final Fantasy fifteen is um, back in what I want to say two thousand and seven two thousand and six time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, back when the PSP was still alive, they yes. were working on uh, Final Fantasy. I think it was called Final Fantasy Versus thirteen or something. Yes. And it was basically they were trying to create this new universe of Final Fantasy titles that all intertwined because the 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 good and bad thing about the Final Fantasy franchise is that they're all separate. They are mm. all anthology, you know, small stories. Well, not small individually, but they don't they don't call back to older ones or, yeah. or you know, they're they're all Different their own stories. Yeah. yeah. So they wanted to create basically a, a small franchise within Final Fantasy that these titles and characters and things all were in the same universe. And they had these huge uh, lofty expectations for what they wanted to do. And then nothing happened. They like they I remember they showed off some some trailer that I think at the time was what eventually turned into Noctis, the main it character is. of 15. Yep. Um, and he was like fighting out in this like rainy area, if I recall. There's like a ton of enemies, and it didn't look like Final Fantasy at all at the time. I was like, "What is this? This looks like garbage." <laughs> um, you know, I, give give me Final Fantasy Nine, give me Final Fantasy Eight again. Like those games mm. were fantastic. Final Fantasy Ten, even that yeah, was like yeah. the pinnacle, I think, of their turn-based system. Yeah. Um, and then then the, they went dark for a while, and then they basically came out and said, "Hey." we've canceled those games the psp obviously had died i think the vita was out Mm. then they stopped development on that they basically uh scrapped from what i understand the majority of that game and started from scratch Mm. on a lot of things and so that title became final fantasy 15 
um, a main entry into the series. And it, it felt half-baked for me in a lot of areas, especially the story. The stories in the Final Fantasy games have traditionally been you know, exceptional, well-written uh-huh. stories. And this one's kind of basic. I mean, it, it, it doesn't really deviate too much from the, the good versus evil formula. Yeah. And it, it was very slow at certain points. And I, I don't know. It, I, to be completely honest, I hardly recall the actual mm-hmm. story looking back, which is not good because I, I could tell you the story mm-hmm. for a lot of the older Final Fantasy games with no problem. Yeah. So, well, so I think with this one, and it's interesting because I actually, I'm a huge fan of Final Fantasy. So I really tried to stay up on it. Yeah. And if I went into the game alone, just I'm only going to play the game, I can totally see that. What mm-hmm. they tried to do though is before they released the game, they also released a whole anime series and a full length movie. Uh, um, yes. That's right. I remember so, that. I didn't watch them though. Exactly. And a lot of people didn't because a lot yeah. of people it wasn't I don't think feel like it was marketed correctly. Yeah. Um, they needed to really like at, maybe add those in with the game when you purchase yeah. it. Yeah. Um, or or something. Uh, even though the, the, the anime was for free on YouTube, you can watch them on okay. YouTube for free. Wasn't the the movie was like uh, King something? Uh, Kingsglaive. Kingsglaive. King, That's right. Yeah. OK, that was like a full CG, like real. Yeah. Uh, with what's his name? Wasn't Aaron Paul in it or something? I think they had a lot of like big like, hitters in it. Like, yeah, um, I think Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad was yeah. in it, if I don't recall. Uh, and I was like, why? <laughs> yeah. And, but and that, that told the story of like why they're going to the wedding. Right. Is that what I understand? Kind of. It, it kind really of. gave you a feel for the world itself gotcha. and what was okay. going on. Because, I mean, Final Fantasy is usually known for like political like it's mm-hmm. it's a political war usually in between two kingdoms. Usually that's how the story goes, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gave you a feel for the world. Where okay. the anime gave you insight into the actual characters. So you got to gotcha. see because in the game there's not a lot of character development really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that's because they were re- relying on the animes. And if you watch the animes, you're like, wow, this is the animes were probably one of the best things that came out of Final Fantasy 15. No way. Yeah, man, they, they go into depth on the individual characters and the relationship and how they know each other. And hmm. you start like really feeling for the characters. Yeah. And then I went into the game with that knowledge. I'm like, oh, man, because Noctis met Ignis this way and this is a relationship. This whole scenario makes a whole lot more sense. Um, okay. And then the story kind of evolves deeper in that way. Again, if I went into that without that knowledge, I'd be like, what? what is going on? Why are these? Why are these yeah. guys just like, right? I like, I felt confused for a lot of the game. I was like, yeah. what's like I I kind of just felt like I was playing through this game, and it it didn't feel like a Final Fantasy game. I felt like I was playing just like a a an imposter Final Fantasy <laughs> game, if that makes sense. Like it it just You're never fake. yeah, it just n- never really felt genuine. And I think I just had such high expectations for it yeah. that I I went in. And and almost like naturally just got let down because of how high my expectations were. But yeah. that's interesting. I, I should go back yeah. and check that stuff out. And I know they put out a lot of DLC for this game. So yes. it's from what I've heard, it's it's almost a completely different game now, two years later, because of the amount of story that they've added in. And it's mm-hmm. kind of unfortunate that they've they've added a lot of really meaty part of story as DLC and a lot of people you know, felt that should have been there from the beginning. And that's yeah. always the argument with DLC. But um, they they did put out like a, a what was it called? Like the Royal Edition or something that yeah, has that had everything. Yeah. So if you were to pick the game up now, I imagine it's much better then. And then 
taking what you said about the anime and the movie into yeah. account, I mean, immerse yourself in that in that world before actually starting the game and sounds Absolutely. like it'll be a lot more fulfilling. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. You have to put a lot of time into it. And that's why I feel like a lot of people don't have that kind of time nowadays. And that's why the Switch is so popular because you can just go in and play a little bit so easy. It's mm -hmm. a little harder. And another thing that they focused on with this game is the world. I won't go much yes. more into it because I know we got other stuff to talk about, but they really want to make an open world after Final Fantasy 13, which was very linear. Yeah, yeah, so it was I like think, a big open world. <laughs> yeah, it was really big and almost intimidating at times. And there wasn't yeah. when you play like Skyrim, there's dungeons and stuff and stuff that you discover where this was just really open for the sake of openness. Mm -hmm. And you'd fight little characters here and there, but that's it. Mm -hmm. So I, I do see what you're saying, but I know they were trying to go for that more open world feel and I see what they were trying to do. I, mm -hmm. I don't think people have the time to go into depth of what yeah. they're trying to do. Yeah. But again, it's Final Fantasy. I'm a sucker for Final Fantasy. I'm me too. So I'm just like, I, I played this anyway and it was great. It, it scratched that itch. Not perfect, yeah. but it yeah. definitely scratched that itch. Yeah, it, it definitely makes me excited for the next one. Um, I for mean, Kingdom whenever, Hearts. Oh, well, for Kingdom Hearts, of course. But I mean, the next proper Final Fantasy, I hope yeah. that they take their time on and don't rush and don't scrap the whole project and everything. But um, one last thing that I do want to point out that I did enjoy was the idea of having these four best friends traveling together. And it truly, much of the game feels like a road trip because yeah. you're driving around in the regalia which is like this this huge black like convertible car this big yeah. royal car that you get to drive around so that's a lot of your main form of transportation and what i do like is you can um once you find your your next mission waypoint you can kind of set the regalia to automatically drive you there and mm -hmm. you can um change the songs and what i like is you can collect and listen to a lot of retro final fantasy music so i was kind of getting my fix for Final Fantasy that way by just going back and playing a lot of like old songs that I remember. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And just set the car to drive and like you can turn the camera <laughs> and like look around and really observe that world as the car is yeah. going. And um, and it was just it, it was very relaxing. I'd say this was a very relaxing Final Fantasy game. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I do yeah. want to point out, though, that they do have um this available on switch it is in the pocket edition form so yeah um, yeah which I, I, <laughs> I it's crazy it's the entire game but it's just they're shrunken down into little chibi characters which and it doesn't adorable. <laughs> they are they really they look they look very cute um and they take a lot of the actual open world out of the game so it's it is more linear um but mm -hmm. if you do want to explore the story um and you don't necessarily have the means to play it on a console or don't want to pay the console price of mm -hmm. $60 or whatever it's retailing at now, then you can get the pocket edition, which is a lot less expensive on switch. It is also available on iOS. So you can play it on mobile. You can play the entire final fantasy 15 game on your phone, which is just mm -hmm. mind blowing to me. So, um, and then next year, of course, oh. the final fantasy games are going to be oh. coming to switch a lot of the classic oh. ones. So, Come seven on. nine ten ten two twelve crystal chronicles and more that made my my decade i'm happy i'm a happy boy <laughs> i'm i'm happy but no buts final fantasy 8 <laughs> is the first one that i played so Fair i have enough. that special place for it in my heart and the fact that that it's not in here is just so sad to me Fair but enough. i'm i'm going to go back and replay through many of these i'm sure 
Um, I've never played Crystal Chronicles on GameCube. I know you have. What's yeah. the quick what's the quick synopsis of that game? Because I've heard that it's very multiplayer focused and the fact that it's coming to Switch, mm-hmm. I think is really gonna maybe birth a second life into it. Absolutely. So to be fair, I've never played the multiplayer aspect, but I have I have a lot of friends that have and they loved it. Yeah. Um, my single my single player experience with it was it, it was it's funny. I, I think back in, and it, it it gives you all the feels, you know, you're like, ooh, the music, believe it or not, the scoring for it was one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Um, the only thing about the game is the entire game, you you're carrying around this crystal if i remember correctly it's a crystal and the entire world is covered in what was it miasma it's like this mist that covers the world and so you have to carry Mm -hmm. this crystal and be within this radius that the crystal like clears that like chemical or whatever Mm -hmm. the the mist in the air if you go outside of that you die and it's kind of like oh man so this whole entire time you're carrying this thing around and to fight, you have to set it down and fight and then pick it back up. And so it was mm. kind of cumbersome. Yeah. But at the same time, for the GameCube and it being Final Fantasy, the storyline was really good. Um, I liked the art style. It was very stylized, not the best looking, but it was stylized. And I liked the way it, it felt. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's my quick synopsis. I really okay. liked it. Um, it was a long time ago, so I don't think I appreciate it fully for what it was. I'd yeah. like to revisit it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I really hope that they're priced well um, yeah. on the Switch. I'm sure they will be. They're not going to be full price games just since they're all ports and stuff. But, you know, if they're a reasonable price, I might pick up a few of these and just give them a shot. So, dude, seven, 10 and 12. I mean, come on now. I never so finished good. 12. I never finished 12. I'm Super so sad. Good. One yeah. of the first ones. <clears throat> open world really good yeah. seven it's the classic that's what people think of when they think of final fantasy yes and then 10 is a hidden gem i um, love 10 man 10, 10 was is, 10 was an incredible game and i spent absolutely. probably more than half of the time just playing blitzball so i'm excited to get back <laughs> in and do that <laughs> blitzball and I, making fun of the the cheesy voice acting but oh man oh yeah <laughs> titus is is cringeworthy for sure Dude, i just find out his, his name isn't titus it's titus <laughs> Dude, that makes it I even worse. It doesn't. Because I think I think when I was playing it with uh, one of my buddies, like we called him Titus. <laughs> thought that was funny, but that's even closer to what it actually is. That's terrible, isn't it? Uh, it's oh, really man. bad. It's, I found that out. I'm like, oh my god, because everyone calls him Titus, right? Uh, yeah. That sounds way better. Oh man, yes. that makes me. That's terrible. <laughs> um. All right. So another game I'd like to bring up is Persona Five on PS4. Um, now, full disclosure, I have not finished the game, but I got through a sizable chunk of it. And I've what never I have, played it. <laughs> yes. And I, oh, man, I, I just I feel like I just want to, like, lend you my PlayStation 4 and Persona 5. But it would be a long time before I see it again, I imagine. So, yes, unfortunately, I don't have a second one or I definitely would do that. You're so um, kind. But you can you can come over and play if you'd Dude, like to. We'll, we'll we'll grind it hardcore. Just go all day. We'll take I, turns old fashioned way. I'm I'm okay with that. That actually Heck sounds yeah, fun, man. doesn't um, it? It does. Yeah. Couch co player. Uh, <laughs> so like what what I have played of this game though is spectacular. So I started the series with Persona Four Golden back on the Vita. Uh, another game I unfortunately did not finish, but Persona Five seems better in almost every way imaginable. First, the artwork and graphics are so damn stylish. Beautiful. And I know that term was thrown around, yeah, a lot when the game was getting um, hype a couple years back when it launched. But it truly does have this enormous sense of style. 
So for those not familiar with the Persona series, it's basically one part high school simulator and one part dungeon crawler. And mm. if that sounds bizarre, it's because it is. You, ba- <laughs> <laughs> you, you basically take the role of a kid joining uh, a new school in Japan and you meet other students, you build real relationships with them, you do activities with them and manage your day, all while making time to team up and stop bad people by trying to metaphorically steal their hearts. So basically you go into these intricate locations that are like small mazes with enemies to fight and capture, which some somewhat reminded me of the Pokemon games in a lot of ways there too. Um, the writing, the voice acting is all excellent. Uh, it's definitely a must play, a game that I truly want to go back and finish. And I, I, I say that about a lot of games, but then I delete them or I trade them in. And, and basically that's like, yeah, I'm never going to go back and play that. But this game I've held on to and I have not traded in and it's sitting in my drawer and it's glaring at me every time I open it up. So I'm, <laughs> um, I definitely want to get in there. And yeah, man, if you want to come over and check it out, I would love to uh, let you experience that. Absolutely. Um, what else you got, Josiah? Oh, man. Um, so it's an older game, but they've been coming out with these forever. And I'm a again, a huge, huge fan because this started the whole JRPG for me, other than Final Fantasy. This really got me into it, but the whole Mm -hmm. um, Bandai and Namco, they came out with the whole Tales series. Okay. Um, And so, for example, Tales of Symphonia, Tales of Abyss, Mm -hmm. Tales of Vesperia, Tales of Berseria. Yeah. um, All those games fantastic and so i i don't have a system right now that currently plays one i i did have tales of vesperia for my xbox 360 but i don't have my yeah. xbox 360 anymore yeah but on my 3ds my my new 3ds i'm actually i got tales of abyss so okay. i'm revisiting yeah. that and i love 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 the game series um now what's what's the what's the draw to these um absolutely yeah so they are um they're very if you look at the art style very anime it looks like an anime in fact all the cutscenes are anime you know they're hand-drawn animes mm-hmm. um cool so that's really fun um very highly story driven so when you're really when you're playing it the gameplay itself is kind of repetitive but still mm-hmm. really fun and i'll get into that but you're really playing it for the story it's again the same kind of what we were talking about with the jrpgs Mm-hmm. One main character, a big group of people that you can trade off playing, um, kind of the quintessential JRPG. Um, okay. And then, then the gameplay is actually unique. It's not quite turn-based. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of like a action RPG in the fact that it's kind of a button masher. And oh, then okay. you build up your power, and then once you've built that up, you can do a special attack. Every time you do a standard attack, it builds your gauge back up so you can do your special attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the only downfall to that i feel like every game is kind of played off of that same mechanic there's not really been a change to it yeah but again it's more story driven the same reason you play an rpg so it's more like you yeah. want to know what's going on the story of it there's a very big huge mythos going on there so you have and it is it's kind of more like final fantasy where every single one takes place in a different world a different reality okay. no so there you don't have to play anything in order you just exactly pick it up. okay that's exactly. cool. Yeah, and it makes it fun. I mean, like for you, you can go and get Tales of Berseria because that's on PS4. Yeah, um, I've heard of that. I've heard of Symphonia as well. Was that PS2? Dude, that was on the GameCube. 
Okay. Freaking awesome. One of yeah. the best games on the GameCube. I played that over and over again. And believe it or not, so I said the gameplay is very, everything's kind of the same. Yeah. But there's a second Tales of Symphonia that came out. It was like Tales of Symphonia. Um, and then there was a special name to it. I can't recall right now, mm-hmm. which came out on the Wii. And believe mm-hmm. it or not, they added some mechanics to the gameplay on that one, which was phenomenal. Um, it, it built up, you know, you know how when you play Final Fantasy, you have those special like godlike moves that have, have a whole cutscene to themselves. Yes, yes. They <laughs> added this to that, oh. um, to that game. And the way that it happened, there's a lot of other different elements and things that went into that. So I, Interesting. I, as far as gameplay goes, the one on the Wii, which is probably my least favorite system, yeah. <laughs> was actually a really good change up for the gameplay. Interesting. But yeah. Um, really great series. I mean, even if you only play one again, you're, they're all pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, a few of my favorite ones for this storyline, if you're just going for purely story would be tales of Symphonia or tales mm-hmm. of abyss, which is really good. Um, and that's the 3ds one you're playing through now. 3ds. Yes. And uh-huh. originally it was on PS2. Okay. So it's like a remake for 3ds. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That's so, a franchise I've heard a lot about never dip to. Yeah, and they're doing a lot of mobile stuff now, so you actually can download one. I think there's Tales of Ray, um, and then they're coming out with another one called like Tales of Concia, Con, Con, Concia, something like that. And then they are, they have been talking about releasing a brand new one for all the um, current consoles, so PS4 and Xbox One. Interesting. So I'm excited for that one. And I think they said Sweet. it's coming out for Switch as well. Well, that'd be ideal because I think that would be just it's such a good machine for these kind of games that how that are long story driven games because you can pick up, play a little bit on the go, put it down, mm. get home, dock it, play it on the couch. Like exactly. the switch Ooh, is just and I so forgot. phenomenal. I'm yeah. sorry, because this is the best part. It mm-hmm. is the Tales games are multiplayer games. Really? Yeah. So you can actually have the way it works is one character walks around the main world. But yeah. every time you enter a battle, you can each control a character. Um, and have their own power moves and all that. And it, it's really fun because that's how me, me, me and my buddy from back in high school, we'd yeah. sit and play Tales of Abyss all day long. And we it was multiplayer. What? So it made it worth like, yeah, it'd be yeah. couch co-op. You know, you'd that's be sitting cool. Next to each other. It's so much fun. Yeah. I don't think I can recall any other games that are like that. Like a no. big RPG where you can actually have two people play. Exactly. Whoa. So that was the big draw. Like why me and yeah. him played it together and why I play it now. I mean, obviously on the 3DS, it's not multiplayer, but. Yeah. Well, damn, I might have to check that out. Heck yeah. Um, well, I, it would feel wrong if we didn't bring up one of the most anticipated JRPGs on the horizon, yeah. uh, <laughs> your favorite. And that's, of course, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, yes. You've got a lot more experience with this franchise than I do. So I want to get your thoughts first on the upcoming title, and then we'll get Absolutely. into a discussion. So go for it. Absolutely. So whenever you look up Kingdom Hearts, the first thing is that you read it's all about the gameplay and the feels. I mean, that's this game is all of the feels. Your mm-hmm. childhood, all your experience with Final Fantasy and JRPG games and Disney mm-hmm. all wrapped up into one. Oh, yes. It's me going. Of course, because um, Nomura has charge of this game, the storyline is very, very convoluted. Yeah, I, I <laughs> but, yes, it's the most confusing thing I think I've tried to uncover on the internet <laughs> um but continue sorry no worries no absolutely it now again you really got to have a lot of time to put into studying it and i've done that 
And because <laughs> of that, and, and again, it's taken me hours and hours. Yeah. But it's so worth it. And the gameplay and the mythos and the overarching story is phenomenal. One of the best story stories bar none. Um, again, most people just playing Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, and now going into 3 will have no idea what's going on. Um, right. So I highly recommend, if you can, get the 1.5, 2.5, and 3.5, if they ever come out with that, whatever that looks like. Um, or is well, they just, they just announced... No, yeah, 2.8 is the... Yeah. But they did just announce a collection for PS4 that's called Kingdom Hearts, the story this far, thus yes. far, that has everything. So it's the yes. 1.5 plus 2.5 remix, which com- compiles, uh, uh, compiles six games, I think. Yep. And then the 2.8, uh, which is like Birth by Sleep and uh, like a video the demo. Yeah. and a demo. Yeah. So um, there's there's a question for a lot of people, especially with a uh, a franchise like this that does have somewhat of a barrier to entry because one, the games are not all available everywhere. It's it's mm-hmm. really if you have a PS4, you can pretty much play every single you can play every single title thus yeah. far. But if you have like an Xbox or a, a Switch, you can't play any of those titles um, at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, which is kind of unfortunate. But Kingdom Hearts Three will be coming to Xbox and PS4. Yes. Um, but it's it does have a barrier of entry there. So, and yeah. then the other part of it is where do you start? So, for somebody that's new to this franchise that has never picked up Kingdom Hearts, where would you recommend they start now? Absolutely. Um, so it depends on how you want to go about it. If you mm-hmm. want to go chronologically, that you would start with probably Birth by Sleep, if I'm not okay. mistaken. Birth by yeah. Sleep is the chronological beginning. Yeah. Um, of course, everyone started with Kingdom Hearts 1, and that way you get the whole feel for the game and an yeah. understanding of why everyone loves this game. That's where I'd recommend starting and then play chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um but it's all jumbled up. It's really hard unless you do have that PS4 where you have all the games available to you. Literally, my journey with it was I had a PlayStation 2 back in the day where I played Kingdom Hearts 1. Mm-hmm. I then, you know, years and years later, I finally got a PlayStation 3. So I got 1.5 and 2.5. Yeah. And then I played um, Dream Drop Distance on my 3DS. Mm-hmm. And I had to watch videos for cutscenes on YouTube for another game. And it was just, super convoluted but i made it work right but if you have a ps4 it's not an issue yeah Um, what was really hard and why it's kind of confusing i wish they didn't do this all the main games are on playstation a lot of the handheld games which not everyone had handheld like game boy advance or you know 3ds right or psp even the three of them each had their own individual game Mm -hmm. were very crucial parts of story like no one when we when Kingdom Hearts 2, which is regarded as the best Kingdom Hearts game, came on the scene. Yeah. No one had any idea what was going on. They're like, what the heck? Where, where is this? Even How'd they get to this? How'd Sora? How Goof, what is going on? Right. But no one I, knew yeah. that you had to play the Game Boy Advance mm-hmm. game, which was... Chain oh, of Memories? Chain of Memories. Yeah. To really understand. Because no one had just a Game Boy Advance. And, a, you know, it was very odd. So yeah. I wish they didn't do that, but if you have the capability of playing all those games, you can go online and look at the chronological order. And if you play it in chronological order, the storyline is phenomenal. It's yeah. in depth. Um, Nomura has 
put so much in the storyline, little hints, foreshadowing, pre, you know, going in depth of giving you everything you need and giving you little clues and hints everywhere. So the mythos is huge. And if you have yeah. the time, I highly recommend going into it. But no, it will suck your life away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, a franchise that I I do love um, just because of the nostalgia that comes from it, because the Final Fantasy characters, uh, of course, the characters that are original to the series as well, like Sora and, and crew um, mm. and the Disney characters all crossing over is just such a great combination that you never would have expected. Mm -hmm. uh, to work i remember seeing uh back in the day i think uh nintendo power um what, what was it maybe it wouldn't have been nintendo power it would have been a different magazine for the original yeah game informer or something back in the day where they were previewing the original kingdom hearts and uh this was like when i was really into final fantasy uh, kind of just discovered that franchise um and I saw that Disney characters would be in it, too. And I was like, man, what is this? This looks really good. And yeah. um, it was it was amazing to play through that for the first time and, and go through a lot of these worlds that you never had played through in 3D, <sighs> like um, uh, Aladdin and, and Little Mermaid and uh, amongst others. So Nightmare Before Christmas, like that was yeah. so cool to go through, too. Super so uh, but Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, which has been in development for so long, looks phenomenal uh and i think we're at that point now where you know um we've always been working towards the dream of like being able to play through a pixar game i think we are actually right. there now like yep. at, at the very least like toy story 2 level pixar um yeah so kingdom hearts 3 they've shown off a lot of different trailers featuring a lot of different worlds that we're going to be going into in this game uh toy story is one of them um uh, frozen which i think is a, a huge fan favorite Big Hero 6, which I'm personally very excited to explore. Yeah. Uh, Monsters, Inc., just to name a few. And they're adding in some interesting stuff with the battle system that looks like they're um, they're making like uh, Disneyland attractions into like mm. moves or something. Yeah, which looks really interesting. So uh, I'm hyped. I need to go back and finish two because I don't think yeah. I ever completed two. Um, two is <clears throat> that's the gameplay and believe it or not yeah. birth by sleep the those are the two games i recommend playing especially okay. leading into three yeah yeah the, I, even the mechanics of the gameplay in play in kingdom hearts 3 will be mm -hmm. highly based off of birth by sleep right okay and yeah. that that one i think is on the 2.8 um collection yes. which i i don't have i have the 1.5 plus 2.5 yeah. um remix collection on ps4 and uh, I, I played through one again, finished that, started um, re-Chain of Memories. And I was I, I remember I had Chain of Memories back on Game Boy Advance, but I, I was playing through it casually then. And I didn't really like put too much effort into it because it felt yeah. like you're rehashing a lot of the first game. So you I was are. like, yeah. And I, I and... at the time I was like, nah, I don't really feel like going through this whole thing again because it was kind of a, a pared down version and it had a card based system, yeah, too. So it was gameplay is not that good. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, it was especially on on Game Boy Advance back then. I mean, it was like a 2D, like 2D side scrolling almost yeah. uh, with like kind of like those old school beat em ups where you could kind of like move up and down the screen for like depth, if you will. Mm. Um, and then you had the card system, which was just very difficult and obtuse to navigate on a Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Uh, so playing through it again on PS4, it's like completely remastered for that in full 3D. Uh, it's a little bit easier, but it's still like the the card system. I'm not a big fan of, so I don't yeah, know. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. 
I just watched all the cut scenes from Chain of Memories on YouTube and skip the game. <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> just do it. It's yeah. a hard game to slosh through. So just watch the cut scenes. <laughs> all right. Yeah, because I felt I think I was like 10 hours in and I'm like, I don't know if I can do this, man. And it yeah. it kind of turned me off from the franchise because I, I just want to get to two, but I'm trying to go in chronological order. Exactly. So I'm, I might just watch that and then skip a, a skip over to two. But yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. Wonderful information on Kingdom Hearts because you are the guru when it comes to that. And uh, Absolutely. I appreciate that. So that that is a discussion of um, of some of our favorite games from this generation. Uh, I do have a small list of some other notable JRPGs to, that I would recommend what we would recommend that you play through. Um, a lot of these I have not personally played through. Um, you may have or vice versa mm -hmm. um, at the top of that list. And these aren't in any specific order, but uh, one of the top there is a uh, near automata, which um, is originally came out on PlayStation four, I believe just got a release on Xbox one. Is that right? Um, no, I don't. If it has, I'm all about that because I've been dying to play it all the way through, but I don't think so. Did it? I felt like I did. I hope so. <laughs> I give, give me just a moment. I just want to yeah. look that up. Um, I want to say it came out on Xbox. Oh man, I'm gonna go out and buy that right now. Yes, for... it did. So it's Holy the. New... Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go out right now. Yeah. So I I, I, I think it came out earlier this summer. It's a near Automata Become as Gods edition. So it's a uh, it's it also released on PlayStation 4. Um, I don't know what's added to this uh, from the original game, and I I have not finished the original on PlayStation 4, but um, it's very very intricate uh, gameplay. The battle system on there is very unique as well. Mm -hmm. um, very, very cool. Love the art style. It's Square Enix, so of course there's wonderful music and setting and everything. Um, another Square Enix title that just recently was re-released on Switch is The World Ends With You. Did you ever play that back in the day? You know what? I, I watched my friends play. I did a lot of watching my friends. What I yeah. love, and I'll mention this just because, again, I'm a big, big, big Kingdom Hearts fan. Yeah. Um, Dream Drop Distance rather than a lot of Final Fantasy characters, actually integrates the World Ends With You characters, which I love. Ooh. So a lot of the characters you'll see in The World Ends With You, you will see in Dream Drop Distance. So really that, cool little... What? I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. That's, the th that's the 3DS one, right? Yes. Okay, I, cool. I have that game, and I think I got to like right past the Tron world and then stop playing. Yeah, but... they show up in the first like scene. So like oh, when yeah. you turn it on, that when you yeah. go into like Tra Traverse Town, they're there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. I did yeah. not know that they were in there. So <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah. And this is a, a game that I have so much about and it's kind of a cult classic, um, but it did just get a re-release on Switch uh, yes. previous to that. I think the the optimal version um, in terms of the uh, the input, because it's very it's reliant on touch controls, was um, on the 3DS and it's also on mobile devices too. But um, the Switch just got the re-release of that. Another JRPG that I think we would be uh, mistaken if we missed is Pokemon, of course, um, or what I like to call baby's first JRPG. The original JRPG. <laughs> I think this is truly the one that I, this is the first JRPG I absolutely had to have played through. Um, when you were a baby. When I was a baby. <laughs> uh, I was, I think I was eight when, when Red and Blue came out and uh, I had no idea what that was. Like I, I played through the game, um, got it for Christmas, didn't know what Pokemon was had no expectations going in. I was very like weirded out by a lot of stuff in that game. Um, but man, that we all we all know those games now. Wonderful to play through. Mm -hmm. If you if you haven't played through 
Pokemon at this point. I don't know what you're doing <laughs> with your I, life. At the, I Wake mean, you, you have to actively be avoiding it at this point if you haven't played it. <laughs> Truly, I mean, there's people out there that don't like the games. I understand that. But if you haven't played them and you say you don't like them, you're doing it a disservice because they're they're wonderful games. They're very Absolutely. fun, very accessible. Um, Pokemon Go coming out. Pokemon. Let's go. Yep, yeah, let's go. Coming out. Yes. Yeah, I'm hyped, man. That's coming out soon. That's going to be um, a good way to get started. Oh, yeah. For yeah. For a lot of people that got in mm. with the Pokemon Go hype, the mobile game, uh, this yeah. is a great way to kind of introduce you into more of the formal gameplay of Pokemon. Um, they're kind of weaving in a lot of the um, Pokemon Go aspects of the game into the regular core game and it's not quite a uh hardcore regular entry into the series it's it's very light um but you know still has a lot of the same elements and it looks beautiful so i'm very excited another big franchise that we uh definitely need to mention is dragon Mm -hmm. quest which have you played any of those before i have um me and my buddy played the one on the playstation 2 which i forget which number i think it was like maybe eight or nine okay yeah um and again, beautiful cell shaded game. Very yeah. and again, it's very basic um, turn based. So I'm very excited to see what they're going to do with this new one. Yeah. Um, but again, beautiful. <clears throat> it, believe it or not, it reminds me a lot of the Tales game, um, like Tales of Symphonia and all that. So yeah, a great game to play for a JRPG. Yeah, it's a, a franchise. I it, it's kind of paralleled Final Fantasy. Its whole time it's also made by square enix too so mm-hmm. um it this though was was this one was dragon quest originally enix because i know back in the day it was squaresoft that did final fantasy um and like King- kingdom hearts when that first came out was dragon yeah. age uh dragon age excuse me dragon quest was that an enix game or originally or was it also squaresoft you know um let's see here uh it looks like it was originally done It came out, well, the original one was 1986. I'm assuming that was Squaresoft. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. Enix wasn't until later, I think. But anyway, yeah. that's that's just like really, I just, I know that those franchises have been going almost side by side with each other. I think they're the latest release that Dragon Ooh. Quest is on is 11. It was originally uh, on Famcom and NES, <clears throat> which is yeah, really cool. So that must have been Square, uh, uh, Squaresoft. Yeah. 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 So it's been out for a very, very long time um uh oh, okay no publishers formerly enix so this was an was enix, enix title okay gotcha yeah it looks like but either way so those yeah. this was a, a franchise that kind of paralleled final fantasy um they've got the most recent one i think is 11 if i'm not mistaken uh dragon quest 11 yep. um so they they've been making those games for a very long time uh, a lot of people say these are some of the best if not the best jrpg titles you can play through so mm-hmm. that's another franchise to take a look at um, the Valkyria Chronicles series, the most recent one, just came mm-hmm. out. It's more of a tactical RPG, um, mm-hmm. similar to Fire Emblem, another great uh, series to look into. Uh, more tactical, though, just like uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, one of my mm-hmm. favorite games. Super. Cool. Um, the Shin Megami Tensei series, which yes. is also very, very old. Those came out back in the 80s as well. Um, yes, which, queen. yeah, they are uh, <laughs> very. That one. Yes. Uh, what is it? We're looking at number four or five coming out? Yeah, coming out for the Switch. Yeah. Um, super excited for that one. That's going to be another amazing, amazing way to get into JRPGs on your Switch. Yeah, and so uh, interesting to note the 
Persona series is actually a spinoff of Shin Megami Tensei. So a yeah. lot of the characters or monsters that you encounter in Persona are actually originally from that series. Mm-hmm. Uh, another game that I did play through back in the day that I enjoyed a lot was Nino Kuni on PS3. Mm-hmm. Did you ever play Nino Kuni? <sighs> no, I really w- didn't. They just release one for the PS4. Uh, yes, I'm not saying they did. Two, I think Revenant Kingdom, and it looks beautiful. I I saw that. I'm like, I why am I still on the Xbox One? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? I'm too deep into it now. But <laughs> yes, that one looks gorgeous. But I've never played it. Yeah, so it's uh, art style is the Studio Ghibli. Um, yeah. the, the gorgeous. It's it's wonderful. Um, like hand drawn. It's great voice acting. I have not played the new one. Um, they changed a lot in the new one and. Uh, it got, you know, good reviews, um, to say the least. But the, I think the the first one was really they, they struck gold with that game. And I, it got overlooked, in my opinion. It was uh, it was very, very underrated JRPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the episode, the Dark Souls games, not traditional uh, turn based combat, but still in that JRPG I genre. Mean, hey, it was made sense. by, you know, Benda, you know, right. right? I yeah, mean, that's super J- JRPG status right there. Yeah. Um, again, it's a little different. It is more of that Skyrim esque feel and more action RPG. But again, the JRPG is such a big, you know, it's a very open ended kind of a thing, you know. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have a, a set definition. So, yeah. um, I, it, as long as it has some of those tendencies, I think it it qualifies. Yeah. Um, and then lastly, the East games, Y S pronounced East. Uh, I've never played these either, but they are up to eight on that franchise as well, if I'm not mistaken. So yes. have you ever played those games? I have not. Um, okay. I've seen them. It's one of those games where I've, again, all on the PS4 and I really wanted to try. Yeah, uh, I've been out of the PS4 world for so long now. <laughs> so they do. They did release the most recent one on Switch, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did they? they- Yes. Ooh, yeah. You know me. So it is. Um, it was on Vita as well. Um, I am almost certain that there is one on Nintendo Switch. Let me see games. <clears throat> All right, East Eight Lacrimosa of Dana is Ooh. on Nintendo Switch. So yeah, if you want to hop Sweet. into that franchise, it is an action RPG, JRPG, um, published by NIS America, which they do a lot of. Um, jrpg style style games as well Mm -hmm. so there's some other games to play on there um and there's obviously so many more that we haven't discussed or didn't bring up these are just uh, some of our favorites that we've gone through if there is a glaring omission or that you've got a recommendation for me or josiah to play uh please hit me up on twitter at iye podcast and let me know i'm always looking for new recommendations of things to play um josiah once again thank you for joining me today to chat where can folks find you online Ooh, I, you can find me at Josiah underscore Mills on Instagram. If you want to see a lot of cute pictures of my babies, yeah. you can find me, uh, I think same thing, Josiah underscore Mills on Facebook. Um, <clears throat> that's about it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, if you want to see just a lot of cool pictures of me looking cool, that's where you can find me. <laughs> Sweet, dude. Sounds uh, good. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, brother. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And if you have any questions for the show, email me at the email address, hello at inyourelementpodcast.com. I'll answer your questions on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast service you listen to uh, In Your Element on. And take a moment to drop a five-star review on iTunes or in the Apple Podcast app. It helps out with discoverability for the show. 
And a reminder to visit patreon.com slash in your element to support at any level and you'll receive bonus episodes early, gain access to the in your element discord server, be eligible for giveaways, attend patron hangouts and more until next time. See you later. Elementalists. 